Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio. Just after 1 p.m. here on a Monday, November 6th, it is a Victory Monday, broadcasting live from Capitol Alehouse here in Innsbruck, as I'm here every Monday throughout the NFL season, talking college football recap with Virginia Tech and UVA both losing this weekend. But don't worry, folks, JMU, the best college football team in the state of Virginia, is still undefeated. We will, of course, talk commanders throughout the show today, and it is a VCU game day here on a Monday with the Siegel Center being ready for the start of the 2023-2024 season. And we've got a block party that I'll be heading to after the show today. If you're listening right now and you want to go to the game, follow me on social media at AWAD Radio. That's A-W-A-D-D-R-A-D-I-O. I'm giving away. I'm doing a special giveaway for the game today. If you want to go to the game, follow me on social media at AWOD Radio and stay up to the date on the latest of me doing a very special game day giveaway. Uh, but right now it is time to get to AWOD's 10 takeaways here on the Richmond Commander. It's time for the Richmond Commander. Are you ready for some- The phones are open. It's your chance to be the quarterback of this segment. There's something I like to say. Every day at 1 p.m. on AWOD Radio, the Richmond Commander. It's a victory Monday, and we'll take your calls as we get them. 833-804-0910. Start with the first question of how happy are you on a scale of 1 to 10 that the Commanders got a road victory over the Patriots. My 10 takeaways, though, number one. Sam Howe. How could he not be number one, right? I heard Michael Phillips, MP on the mic, which you can hear right here on 910 Fan from 10 to noon with his six-pack of observations. His number one was Sam Howe as well, right? That's our quarterback one. It seems like we have our franchise guy. And look, I I said it earlier. I I don't know that you could put him up there with Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, and that type of potential. But I think you can honestly say he's better than most of the guys that were drafted before him. And he's better than three of the four quarterbacks that were drafted this year. I'd take him over Bryce Young, Will Levis, and Anthony Richardson right now from what I've seen from Sam Howell. Right, The only mistake he was making was holding on to the ball too long. Well, in the last two games, he's averaged just two sacks a game. That's manageable. You can win with your quarterback taking two sacks a game. That's my franchise guy. I love watching Sam Howell play. And, you know, I said it earlier. I am more focused on Sam Howell's development than I am wins and losses. So if it was good to win. I feel great about the win. It's an 8 out of 10 for me. But I'm more focused on Sam Howell having over 300 yards. And as an offense overall, over 400 for two straight games. My second takeaway, back to the offensive side of the ball. One-two punch with Brian Robinson, Brian Robinson Jr. and Antonio Gibson. We talked all offseason about the potential with those two guys. You know, the ground and pound with speed of Gibson around the outside and Brian Robinson dragging defenders on his back. Well, we might have been wrong about which guy is better at what. It seems to me recently that Brian Robinson's better running out on the outside. Antonio Gibson's short bursts have helped him go up the middle. Either way, both those guys played really well, and the one-two punch combined for 97 yards on the ground, uh, which was a big part of the commander's able to get the win over the Patriots. Third takeaway here from the Commanders' 20-17 win in New England, their first win in Foxborough, and their first win over the Patriots in 20 years. you got to go back to 2003 when Tom Brady threw two interceptions and lost 20-17 to the Skins from FedEx Field. 
Third takeaway has got to be the offensive line being much improved since removing Nick Gates, right? Like, Nick Gates was not a good center, and he was not aware of where the blitzes were coming from, and it put more pressure on Sam Howe. Now you bring back a veteran at center, and the offensive line as a whole has played much better. Andrew Wiley still getting burnt uh, on the right side of the ball, and that led to one sack, but you can live with two sacks a game. And I also think the offensive line has improved, but I also want to throw into that takeaway that Coach Eric Bieniemy has done a better job of getting Sam Howell on the move um, to buy him some more time to get rid of the sacks. Ten, ta uh, ten takeaways here from the Commanders' win. Number four, the defense looked good, but zero sacks. And so uh, I definitely think we need to point out that we did miss Montez Sweat and Chase Young, right? It's not like those guys are terrible and we just got rid of dead weight. No, they're both impact players on a defensive line that's very good, and they were having good seasons. Thing is, Josh Harris decided to focus on the future already, and now that you see Montez Sweat getting paid $90 million, I feel even better about that trade. We weren't going to be able to pay him, so we got a second-round pick for the Bay out of the Bears for basically just eight games worth of Montez Sweat. That's a pretty good trade, and Chase Young, we didn't get to see him because the 49ers were on a bye, but uh, I, I would have liked to have those guys, and I feel like we might miss them at the end of the season, but I'm still happy about the trade uh, now looking back, knowing that Montez Sweat got big bag of money. Takeaway number five, Jamison Crowder, the best offseason pickup. I mean, he's just been so good. He's a reliable guy on punt returns. He had, a, he had one decent return yesterday. Now that the injury to Curtis Samuel, you've seen him slide into the slot receiver position. He had a couple clutch grabs. You can always count on him to have good hands and some yak yards after the catch there. So Jameson Crowder being picked up in the offseason was not even really the offseason, right? I think it was uh, in between the end of the preseason and the start of the regular season. But you know what? I'll give Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew some credit for that one. Takeaway number six. We should remember this game. November 5th, 2023, in New England, on the road, as the Pringle game, the, the Byron Pringle game. Michael Phillips said it. Once you pop them, you can't stop them. Byron Pringle, three catches, 55 yards. Uh, I know for a fact two of those catches were on third down where it didn't look like we were going to be close to getting it. Uh, he had the one catch where Sam Howell rolled out to the right, threw it completely off his body to an open Byron Pringle, and uh, just love that. Even the announcers were impressed with the game of Pringle. Uh, takeaway number seven, winning a road game is always difficult in the NFL, but it's even tougher when you lose the turnover battle. So the fact that they got a win on the road in New England against Bill Belichick, losing the turnover battle is very impressive. Number eight, besides the one explosive play, <coughs> the 64-yarder to Ramondre Stevenson, I thought the defense played a B-plus game, right? When you think about it, the Patriots scored 17 points, all right? I'm going to take away seven from the Brian Robinson fumble that gave them the ball in the red zone, right? It's nearly impossible to get a stop when that happens. You want them to hold them to a field goal, but I'm going to take away seven points because of that. And then I'm going to take away seven points because besides that one play, they were very good against the run. I think the Patriots were averaging like two yards a carry up until that 164-yard explosive play. And look, we got to get rid of the explosive plays. That that needs to stop. But I think besides those two things, you would agree, the defense played a B-plus or maybe even an A game against the Patriots. Takeaway number nine, 
Eric Bieniemy, I believe, won his coaching matchup against Bill Belichick. He stayed one step ahead. He he mixed in the runs with the throws. He mixed in the rollouts. They were very good on third down, which is very tough to do uh, against a Bill Belichick coach defense. And he and then Sam Howell, right, running for a first down of third and twenty-three. Uh, you know, Bieniemy didn't call that play, uh, but he gets credit for it. I believe he won his coaching matchup against Belichick. And takeaway number ten is just that a victory Monday feels so good, right? I really feel like if we lost yesterday, it would have been not just a misery Monday, but like a, a season's over Monday, completely time to focus on college basketball and the NBA. And um, it's just, it feels so good to get a win. You know, it, it made my Sunday. It, I slept great last night. And uh, that's what it feels like when your team wins in the NFL. A little box score breakdown here. Sam Howell, 29-45. 325 yards, um, three sacks on the game, 17-yard loss on that sack, but an impressive quarterback rating of 84 compared to compared to Mac Jones' 66.5. And, look, both quarterbacks had an interception. Mac Jones ended up being a game-losing interception. Sam Howells, you never want that to be in the red zone, but you know what? He bounced back from that. And uh, I, I really think that – Eric Bieniemy deserves a lot of credit for this win, and I talked about it earlier with Grant and Danny. This was a game in which Washington trailed 17-10, to right? You're down 14-10 because of the interception right before the half. That was your chance to take the lead. You go into the halftime there, and you're thinking, we got to make some adjustments. Ten points, good, but it didn't feel like it was going to be enough to win that game. Well, Patriots score a field goal right out of the halftime there. They go up 17-10 in the third quarter. The next 15 plays... Right? We always talked about, hey, first 15 plays of the first half, first 15 plays of the second half are the scripted plays. That's the game plan that you designed all week to go against the Patriots. Well, those 15 plays ended up 7 plays, 75 yards, and a touchdown, 8 plays, 65 yards, and a field goal. And just like that, Washington went from down 17-10 to up 20-17, to and then the defense got off the field after 5 plays and forced a punt. So I think Biennemi deserves a ton of credit for that game plan there. Team started. Uh, decently, right? Three plays and a punt. Didn't like that. But then you get the field goal on the next drive, the touchdown on the drive after that. So good game plan to start the game and then a great game plan right out of half. So I'm giving Eric Bieniemy a ton of credit for this win. And the commanders move to 4-5 and five on the season and above 500 on the road. 3-2 and two on a road with another road game coming up this Sunday as they travel across the country to face off against the Seattle Seahawks. If you want to chime in, phone lines are open. It's 833-804-0910. 833-804-0910. You're listening to AWOD on the fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on a Victory Monday. Broadcasting live from Capitol Ale House here in Innsbruck. Phone lines are open, 833-804-0910. If you enjoyed that Commander's game yesterday, I want to give me your thoughts, 833-804-0910. We like to make this as interactive a radio show as possible. You can always tweet us at 910thefan and at AWOD Radio. We will move over to college basketball and switch gears in about 15 minutes. Robbie Robinson will join us for a VCU game day preview. Coach Seth Greenberg, who will join us to go around the ACC at 2 p.m. And then my buddy Mook, Marcus Washington, covers college basketball. He'll give us a season preview for some of the Northern Virginia schools that I grew up rooting for in Georgetown, Maryland, and the rest of the 
schools here locally in college basketball. He's covering uh, the 8-10 as well. So we'll talk VCU, Richmond, and more with Mook at 2.30. But it's time to go around the NFL here on NFL Hits. Every regular season matchup, every head coach on the hot seat, the hit stories in the NFL. NFL Hits on A1 Radio. So the read mentions coaches on the hot seat, and I think Rivera moves a little bit off the hot seat there with a road victory. But we did have our first coach fired last week, and that was McDaniels of the Vegas Raiders. And how about that? Firing their coach? And the team was fired up. Uh, Raiders played really well over the weekend in a 30-6 win over the New York Giants. Aiden O'Connell got the start, 200 yards passing. But it was the Josh Jacobs show, 98 yards rushing and two touchdowns as the Raiders got a ton of turnovers defensively uh, from a bunch of Giants interceptions and cruised to victory. They were up 24-0 at half and won the game 30-6. But our first winner of the week, Stubb, we got to start with the Commanders and Sam Howe, winners of the week. What would you think of QB1 Sam Howe and the rest of the Commanders? I mean, aside from the very obvious uh, bad play, he I thought he did a great job. It seemed like he was by far the best player we had out there. Yeah, no, it, it was an excellent performance, and he definitely outdueled Mac Jones. Like, that was my three takeaways, right? He, our quarterback was that, better than their quarterback. Our offensive coordinator was better than their offensive coordinator. And we had more playmakers on the field. Did you notice that as well? Yeah, and I mean, also, it's, our defense didn't seem that much worse. You know, I feel like a lot of people were expecting it to be worse, and we looked maybe even better than some of the games we played. Yeah, so Stubb, where are you at with giving me credit for the win? Because I did start on Monday by saying Commander's going to win three straight. By, by Friday, after the trade deadline drama that messed with my brain, it corrupted me during the week, I picked us to lose. So are you giving me credit or are you taking I'm, it away? I'm taking it away. And I, I called you out. <laughs> I called in sick yesterday to tell you that I, I thought it was crazy how much you flipped. And, and you finished on a no. So I can't give you credit if you finish on a no. If I know. we win the next <laughs> two games, I'll give you credit. All right, all right. <laughs> yeah. I'll take that. Uh, winner of the week, give me a ding for the Baltimore Ravens, right? We've got to start talking about Lamar Jackson being in MVP form, the defense being incredible per usual, right? That's a usual thing with the Ravens. But back-to-back -back big wins over NFC teams, uh, the Lions and the Seahawks were cruising ahead of those games against the Ravens, and the Ravens uh, just destroyed both of those teams offensively and defensively. It's time to talk about Baltimore as a legit contender in the AFC. When I called into the gut check yesterday, I said Baltimore is probably the fourth best team in the AFC, and I, I got a little bit of hate from that on social media. But think about this for a second, right? The Chiefs and the Dolphins were the best two teams offensively for the probably the first half of the season, right? Dolphins have struggled a little bit as of late, uh, but I'm still not giving up on them to be a contender in the AFC. Then I would point to the Bills and the Bengals because of their playoff success recently ahead of the Ravens. Um, Bengals got a good win yesterday, and I would still take Joe Burrow over Lamar Jackson uh, and you know Cincinnati over Baltimore. Uh, but I think you do have to start talking about Baltimore as a legit a NF AFC contender if Lamar Jackson is going to keep playing like that. Winner of the week, C.J. Stroud. Offensive Rookie of the Year. Can we give him that award? Texans first rounder has been poised. He rebounded from a couple of slow weeks on Sunday, torching the Bucks. 470 passing yards. That's a record. And five touchdowns. And his best stuff came when it mattered most. It was a, a late game shootout. And uh, 
Houston was able to go right down the field for a big-time score and get the win. Uh, it, it's been it's been a good performance this season from C.J. Stroud. I know I'm wrong, right? I know I told you guys that all four of the rookie quarterbacks drafted would finish the season below 500. Well, C.J. Stroud trying to uh, prove AWOD wrong there. Loser of the week, give me a dong for the New York Giants, right? Mm. I mean, you're playing against the Raiders who are starting Aiden O'Connell. Now, I get it. Daniel Jones got hurt in the game and is now out for season. And so it's it's going to be tough to win with a backup quarterback. But their defense played so good against Washington. Their defense has been the one bright spot for them this season. They gave up 30 points there to the Vegas Raiders. Winner of the week, maybe the winner of the season. All right. So Josh Dobbs, Stubb, look this up for me. I believe he looked. He started his season, I believe, with the Chargers in preseason. Now you're going to have to look at like a pro football reference to find this. But he was traded then to the Cleveland, no, to the Arizona Cardinals, all right, to the Arizona Cardinals and started with them week one and played against the Commanders. Well, then he was benched in Arizona and they traded him to the Vikings, comes off the bench for the Vikings and wins the game. Wins the game running and throwing. He was spectacular in that game. It's the Josh Dobbs season, and I definitely want to call out this guy on social media who I thought was the funniest thing ever, all right? He shaved his eyebrows because he's all in for the Josh Dobbs season now in Minnesota as they're right in the thick of things trying to make it into the playoffs With as the final wild card spot is definitely open. It is up for grabs. Stubb, do you know where Josh Dobbs began yes. his season? Uh, Dobbs started with the Browns. Started with the Browns, the Browns, then went to the Cardinals, now is with the Vikings. And he's found a way to win with all of those organizations. Preseason and then a big win with the Cardinals over the Cowboys, right? You can't forget about that. And then that win yesterday for the Vikes against Taylor Heineke and the Falcons. I did promise if Heineke got the win, I was going to devote a whole segment to him. But no, they take the L. Another loser of the week, the Arizona Cardinals blanked by the Cleveland Browns 27 to nothing. Cardinals could have used Josh Dobbs in that one. Loser of the week, I got to gotta put the L.A. Rams on this. It feels like their season has fallen apart, right? The Packers aren't that good. Rams lose to the Pack 20 to 3. Winner of the week, got to include Gardner Minshew and the Indianapolis Colts. They got a, a big victory over the weekend, and uh, Minshew Mania is back in full form here as uh, that <laughs> that Colts offense looks really good. And, of course, part of it looks good because they're able to run the ball with Moss and now that they've got Jonathan Taylor uh, back into the fold. But <laughs> don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. Minshew is playing really well. And, uh, look, he led the Colts to a victory. And uh, um, I, think, I think a lot of people in Indianapolis are, are pretty much – Pleased with the way Minshew has played, and they, they might be uh, rocking mustaches at home games for the rest of the season as Minshew mania in full effect with the Panthers losing to the Colts 27-13. to Minshew on the day had 17 of 26 for 127 yards and a touchdown uh, in the 27-13 win. And just like the Commanders are 4-5, and five, the Colts are also 4-5. and five. And in the hunt for a wild card spot. Loser of the week, I think you got to include the Buffalo Bills on this. Now, this was AWOD certified game of the week, and I will admit it was not the game of the week. 
I think people would argue it was the Cowboys against the Eagles. Now, I, get, I did give that stub a four-star game, but I'm going to take the loss for the certified game of the week because uh, the Bills did not look good against the Bengals. I said everyone's going to be talking about Sunday night football here on Monday. There were so many storylines there with uh, DeMar Hamlin returning to Cincinnati for the first time since he collapsed. The rematch could have been a revenge game for Buffalo against Cincinnati as they beat you in the playoffs, but the Bengals dominated this one from start to finish. They went 24-17 to and moved to 5-3 and on the year, and really, Burrow outdueled Josh Allen, 31 of, 20, of 44 for Burrow, 348 yards, two touchdowns. Allen, one score, one interception, just 258 yards on the night. Uh, last thing I wanted to mention here, we talked about a quarterback, Daniel Jones. The reports are out. He, in fact, is out for season with a torn ACL. Coach Brian Dayball said earlier today, following the MRI, he will undergo surgery with the plan of him being ready for the 2024 season, and uh, that's a difficult situation there for Giants fans. Daniel Jones has not been good. He's already been paid. Now he's out for season, and you hope he's back next year, but he's not going to be 100%. Uh, man, I, I I don't know what you do if you're a Giants fan. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan, now at 105.1 FM. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back. Welcome back. What up, what up, what up? It's AWOD here on the new sports radio, 910 The Fan. Now at 105.1 FM, Richmond's home for VCU basketball. And it is a VCU game day. I'm so pumped up for this season. And it begins tonight from the Siegel Center as the Rams face off against McNeese State, uh, who is coached by former VCU Rams coach Will Wade. But he will not be in the building but I wouldn't be surprised if there were a few fans dressed up as Will Wade or maybe even dressed up as uh, security members <laughs> there uh, doing the joke uh, for the Will Wade return game here to the Siegel Center. And, of course, every game can be heard right here on 910 The Fan with Robbie Robinson and Rodney Ashby. And Robbie joins us right now for a VCU game day on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. What's going on, Robbie? Hey, what? It's a game day here in Richmond, man. We're excited. How are you doing? I bet you're probably – Pump gives you some more things to talk about other than Commander's football for once in about six weeks. Oh, yeah. I I'm so fired up for college basketball season. I always say it's my favorite season. Basketball is my favorite sport, and I've fallen in love with the Rams uh, ever since I came to Richmond here back in 2011. And, Robbie, that was such an exciting time, right? I was a freshman right after the four Final Four run. But it seems like the excitement for this year is almost matched that with the excitement of a new coach, the excitement of new players and transfer guys from Richmond, including a former Spider, Jason Nelson. Yeah, there's there's a lot of new people to get to know on this VCU basketball team, which is okay. I think in this day and age, in 2023, that's the way college basketball works, and especially when you have a coaching change like we do. And, you know, we'll start with Jason Nelson. Yeah, I would imagine that he's got some butterflies getting ready. He obviously grew up in Richmond, played at John Marshall, and then went to U of R, had his freshman year there, and then decided to transfer. And I think this system that Coach Odom has for him, it's, it fits him like a glove, Awad. I'm telling you, he is going to be someone that really benefits from the kind of offense that Ryan Odom and his staff puts together. And we've seen it in the first couple of games. So we saw it in the black and gold game uh, when they had the inter-squad scrimmage about a month ago. And then in the exhibition game, he was phenomenal again. So I, I think Jason Nelson, the John Marshall product, has got a, he's kind of the underrated glue guy of this team just because 
he has so much talent. I think his game fits this offense so well. Absolutely. Don't leave him open behind the arc. He, he was awesome in the exhibition game. Uh, so was Zeb Jackson. It was great to see the backcourt uh, dominate. I think they combined for 41 points and 15 assists. Uh, what were your thoughts on the offense overall? I mean, it's an exhibition game, but they poured in 110, Robbie. Yeah, I mean, Adam, I, obviously you can't, you can't complain about anything if you throw 110 points on the board. They made 15 threes. That was a positive that I think can stand out no matter who you play. Like, you have to knock down shots. I don't care if you're playing, uh, you know, the top-ranked team of the country or you're playing a Division II school that probably has a little bit to go to get to where they want to be. And so I think you look less at the amount of points that we scored and more the fact that we knocked down threes. And to hit 15 threes, that to me was the biggest thing I brought out of the Mars Hills uh, exhibition game. Yeah, the points were great. 110 points, fantastic. But more like we had open looks, we knocked them down. And we could do that against anybody. It doesn't matter who your opponent is if you knock down shots. We're so pumped to be teaming up with VCU for VCU basketball games once again here at 910 The Fan, now at 105-10M. Extended pregame with a live audience. Robbie, tell the 910 listeners a little bit more about what to expect this season on the broadcast. We're happy to have Rodney Ashby back once again, right? We, we have more AWOD on the broadcast <laughs> is what we have. Is we have 15 more minutes of Adam Epstein, which every broadcast needs. Um, we are going to do our pregame show and home games from the Commonwealth Room, which is the auxiliary gym here in the Siegel Center, and it's going to be a live setup for you. You'll be in front of our audience. We'll have speakers there, adding a little bit of, I guess, uh, a little bit more background noise, a little bit more flavor to the Commonwealth Room. So we'll be on also 15 more minutes for home games that we have. Normally, it's always been a 30-minute pregame show. We're going on at 6.15 on Sports Radio 910 The Fan and Big 98.5, our sister station that also simulcasts the broadcast. So I'm excited about it. We'll have a little bit more VCU chat and talk. We'll talk to some movers and shakers around the athletic department and obviously get people updated on what's going to happen basketball-wise. But Adam, I'm excited about that. And then, yeah, Rodney and I, are back for what I think will be our fourth year, maybe? Time goes by so fast. But, yeah, I think this will be uh, Rodney's and my fourth year together doing games, uh, starting off, and the 705 tip will have us on the air. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, I, it, it, it's such a great program and the enthusiasm in the city around this team and around, you know, VCU basketball as a whole. We always say that the, the city kind of stops when VCU plays. People wake up in the morning. They know if the Rams won or lost, and that's a real feather that we have in our cap and it gets kicked off tonight. And I think Ryan Odom right now is the perfect person to be shepherding this squad. And I think it, you know, it's going to be different. The whole thing is different. You know, this is the first time in what's 15 years that we don't have someone in the Shaka Smart tree. And really, it's the first time in 18 years that someone that's not in the Billy Donovan tree, if you think about it, because Shaka was a Billy Donovan guy, as was Anthony Grant, who Shaka replaced. So this is a totally different a totally different outlook. And I think it's, it's a good time for it. And I think our fans are ready for it. And Adam, I really think you're gonna your your mouth is gonna be a gate tonight as you continue to watch the Rams offensively. I think we're just gonna be that well oiled. Yeah, no, I agree, and I don't think we're going to take too many steps back defensively, uh, especially with Zeb Jackson being such a good on-ball defender and now captain for the Rams. I'm Adam Epstein. This is AWOD Radio. we got Robbie Robinson with us here on the Hadid Mercer Rug Cleaning Hotline. Robbie will be on the call for the VCU game tonight. And, Robbie, I get three questions that I get asked all the time when I go out and about, especially in Scott's edition here. And uh, Number one. Are the Redskins going to be good this year? Number two, when are we getting a new baseball stadium? Question number three has been, what's Ryan Odom like? How would you respond to that? <laughs> oh, Adam, that's a great question. I've been 
I've been practicing my answer because I get that question a lot too, and I'm not I'm not quite I'm not quite satisfied with my answer. First of all, he's a good dude. Like you, Adam, you talk about going out in Scott's edition, and Lord love you, man. That's something that's a little bit in my rearview mirror as a 48 year old <laughs> father of two. But I think I'm all there for you. Um, despite the fact that I will say last night we we're at Bramley Park, so we closed that down on a Sunday at you know, seven seven thirty. Um, he's a good guy, and he is a he's a curious guy about people that he's around, which I always find uh, very compelling. And I think that's something that, that shows that you've got true character when you're talking to somebody and they're interested in you. The other day we had an audio segment. He recorded some spots for me, and we're chatting. He looked at me afterwards like, "So what are you up to for the rest of the day?" I was like, "Man, that's cool." Like. You know, Ryan Odom's got to get ready for a big basketball game on Monday, and he's wanting to know what, you know, the radio guy is doing for the rest of the day. But it turned out, uh, Adam, I was going to Costco. That's what I was doing the rest <laughs> of the day. So probably, I don't know if he'll ask me that again, because that's a pretty boring answer. Um, he's very pragmatic. When you listen to him, we're going to do this, and this is going to be the result. And if we do this, we should have this result. If we don't do this, then the result might not be what we want it to be. There's a lot of that in him. I think he's a little closer to the vest than um, maybe some of our previous coaches, I think. And that's could be for a bunch of reasons. Number one, he's still getting to know us as Ram fans. He doesn't know me. Like I, I knew coach Rhodes. I knew Will Wade. And I was at the very beginning, kind of part of Shaka's introduction to VCU basketball. Coach Odin doesn't know me. So, you know, I think he's, and I think that's a, the case with a lot of us in Richmond. He's starting to get to know us who, you know, who can he trust? Who, you know, who's going to be there for him? And until you kind of go through the wars, you don't really know that. But I'm telling you right now, uh, he's a spectacular guy. He's a great dad. He's a great member of the community. He was at the Furball on Saturday night at the Jefferson, which is the big SPCA event that, um, you know, here he is. He's three days away from having to play his first game ever, and he's taken the night to go to a big fundraising event here in Richmond. That's the kind of person he is. Um, and I'm telling you right now, I've been in practice. I've watched this team practice. I've watched him interact with practice. He is a player's coach, but he is also, he's not a pushover. Like these guys get after it and the coaching staff gets after it on these guys. I don't think our fans need to worry about it being kind of a a lighter feel in terms of how the expectations for our players, because Ryan and his staff have high expectations and that comes across in practice. If you're there at practice, it is a, there's some, there's some juice, there's some heat there. And that comes from the head coach. Yeah, that, that sounds great, man. I, I love to hear that about the head man for VC Basketball, Ryan Odom. Every time I've talked to him, he seems very down-to-earth. And I'm feeling really good about the big men, Robbie. It's always tough to replace a front court that wins a conference championship. But I think Christian Furman looks bigger and stronger. Roosevelt Wheeler hasn't missed a shot in a Rams uniform. He was 7-7 seven of seven in the exhibition game. And Toby Lawall jumps out the gym. Yeah, our, our post-play will be – a very fascinating thing to watch all season long. There's talent there, there's size, there's athleticism, and I'm just kind of articulating everything you just said, Adam. Like, you you painted the picture perfectly. They just don't have experience, and I think the A-10, at least if you if you talk to people around the league and you see who was picked, it goes through Dayton, and when you look at Dayton, you look at Deron Holmes, who's their 6'11 monster that they've got down low, that we will have to defend when we play them on the 9th of February and then we go play them on the 8th of March in Ohio. And by then you hope that Wheeler and LaWall and Furman are equally as, as formidable as Deron Holmes because that's, you know, last year we had a guy in J.J. Loach that could match up against him, and that's why we were such a problem for Dayton. Those guys are going to have to take the, that mantle and run with it. I think they can. I think all three of them can, honestly. And they're different. They're different players than Loach was. They're different guys than we've had as bigs in recent past. I mean, Rose Wheeler, it's 
for those that watched him play in high school and then followed him at Louisville, he is enormous. And I'm telling you, Adam, he is athletic, and he is getting better every day when you ask the staff. I heard you know, one of the staff members yelled out yesterday in practice when we were, um, we were there watching. He's like, Rose, you continue to make leaps. You're, you're so much, you know, you've made so many more strides than you have in the last two weeks. So, yeah, and the wall is a big question mark. He's still a guy that's learning how to play basketball. He's only been playing for four or five years. Uh, but I think he's beyond his years in terms of experience there. And then there's Furman, who I think you talked to somewhere around the department. They think he might be the most talented guy we have. But they've got to play. I think that's it's a, it's a lowercase question mark. Can you put punctuation in lowercase, Adam? I don't know. I'm going to ask you that. You're the, coach. You're the host. It's not an uppercase question mark. It's a lowercase question mark with our guys because I know they're talented. But the post players are what really is going to be – I think they're going to be a driving force because we've got we've – got perimeter guys i mean max olga is good we talked about jason nelson a couple minutes ago zeb jackson you've mentioned him at least three times on this phone call already rightly so we'll get sean barristow back and he'll be a stud um down low is where we've really got those guys if they have good years if you were to show me the post player stats at the end of the year right now and just those guys adam i think i could tell you what kind of year we're going to have Good point, Robbie. You can follow Robbie Robinson on social media at RobbieVCU, and you can hear him on the call right here on 910 The Fan. Thanks a lot, dude. All right, man. We'll see you tonight, Adam. Thanks. Yep, sounds good. And the game is sold out, and the pregame block party starts at 5 p.m. Uh, right outside of the Siegel Center. So block party 5 to 630 uh, right outside the Seagull Center. I will be there on the microphone and hoping to see a ton of Ram Nation. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Welcome back. I'm Adam Epstein. You're listening to AWOD Radio here on a Victory Monday, broadcasting live from Capital Ale House here in Innsbruck. And you can catch me here every Monday from the Innsbruck location here Mondays during the NFL season, recapping college football, NFL, and getting you fired up for Monday night football. The Commanders, weeks one through seven, allowed 5.7 sacks per game, basically six sacks per game. Well, one against the Eagles, three against the Patriots. They've lowered that number to two sacks per game. And with only giving up two sacks a game, the offense has been able to score more points. You got 20 against the Patriots, should have been 27 if you didn't have Sam Howell with the bad turnover in the red zone, and 31 in a losing effort against the Philadelphia Eagles. Sam Howell, with the win, joined Mark Rippon and Kirk Cousins as the only Washington quarterbacks to record three games of 300-plus passing yards in their first 10 career games. He's gone for 300 now in back-to-back weeks, and I love this from Dan on Twitter who tweets me, I'm just smiling so much these days for four reasons. Number one, we have our franchise quarterback. Number two, we have $90 million in cap room. Number three, team has five picks in the top 100. Number four, new GM, right? There's going to be a new GM under Josh Harrison. He says it could be the most attractive front office job in all of pro sports. If you want to chime in here on a Victory Monday, 833-804-0910. We start with, how are you feeling, scale of 1 to 10, after the Commanders got the win? I think a lot of the fan base was ready to punt the season after you were 3-5, and five, two straight losses inside the division, and you traded away your defensive ends. But now we are sitting 4-5, and five, right on the outside of the playoffs looking in, with a real shot to be the seventh seed, uh, with Minnesota playing with a backup quarterback, Atlanta playing with a backup quarterback, and the rest of the NFC just kind of being trash this season. 
833 Let's head out to the phone lines here. We've got uh, our buddy D. Woods from D.C. What's going on, D.? Hey, what? It's Monday, one forty-seven. Oh, it's one fifty now. You know why I'm calling? So, Commanders. Absolutely. And let's start with my guy slinging Sammy Howe. How are you feeling about QB one? <laughs> and listen, uh, here's how I'm feeling. He played very well yesterday. I told you yesterday he had a little moxie in him. I think he. I think that interception that he threw was by far the worst. I'll, I'll, I'll be forty-one this year. So I've been watching football since I was about five years old. Right, so I give me thirty-six years of watching football. It's probably the worst interception I've ever seen a quarterback throw because he has multiple options there. He can run out of bounds. He can throw out of bounds. He can slide. Uh, I know what you were saying. It's on Ron Rivera. Ron Rivera has to call a timeout. No, sir. He can call a timeout himself. He did it in the second half. We took it upon himself to call a timeout. He had multiple options. But I will say, he bounced back after that. He threw uh, some incredible passes, brought us down uh, down the field to score again. I was impressed. Gave him an A minus yesterday. He would have got an A plus plus if he wasn't for the worst uh, interception I've ever seen thrown in my lifetime. I don't think you watch enough football because I've seen Josh Dobbs and several other these backup quarterbacks uh, like Devito may make worse throws than that. But here's the thing. All right, is that. Sam Howe played really well against the Blitz, 13 for 18, 139 yards, one touchdown, a passer rating of 113, according to uh, Pro Football Focus, and that, that's huge. And, I, and I'm going to say it again. Yes, I think your coach put you in a bad position there with the clock running, and you know Sam Howe struggles at throwing the ball away. Why wouldn't you call timeout? And then it opens it up to either run or throw to either side of the field. I, I know we talk about this all the time. Like they got to get the quarterback on the move every once in a while because the offensive line is so bad. But D, you don't know how much I hate when they roll out to the right and they completely cut off half the field. It is not helping your quarterback at all. It is not, but I will say this. What he did an amazing job of yesterday was rolling out to the right and throwing back across his body, which no quarterback ever should do. I don't know how he makes those passes, and that gives me a little bit of faith in him. But I I will say – he is best moving him outside the pocket. He's just not he, – he has not developed the pocket presence yet to keep him there. Again, even with that terrible interception, I give him an A- minus and say, and say that I can't believe that he pulled through and played the way he played. Um, again – But hold on, D. I would, argue, I would argue with you that he's not good inside the pocket because he was in the pocket on that 33-yard touchdown pass to Jahan Dotson. Like, that was maybe his best pass of the season. That was a great pass. I think – I think Dawson had to make up for all the dropsies he had yesterday. I'll yeah, what is up with that, man? His, his, I don't know, but his how's best is when he scrambled for twenty three yards. Get him moving. <laughs> that was that was that was that was. I, I can't even. I'm speechless with him. When I saw that yesterday, I couldn't believe it. And I, what I also couldn't believe it's like our first time having that long of a run from a quarterback in like almost 20 years. It's ridiculous that we don't have somebody that can get down the field like that. D, I appreciate you calling in. Uh, I love having you on the show Monday at one uh, and I'm going to start asking you to give out a few game balls when you call in. Okay. My game ball goes to JSW for faking the injury so we can get the replay. <laughs> That's a great point. Ron wasn't going to throw the challenge flag. He, he really wasn't. He was not. Yeah, no, he was not. So that's my game ball. <laughs> that's a good one. What would you think of Jamin Davis? I didn't like how many times they had him lined up against a tight end or a running back, uh, but he had nine tackles and one pass breakup. 
Yeah, so that is actually, I had that as part of one of the things I want to talk about. He did not look well in coverage yesterday for some odd reason. And I, it, I, I can't forget they were going to commercial, and, and Jack Del Rio, as politely as he could be, is getting <laughs> in him for the blown assignment. He seemed a little lost uh, back there yesterday. And we all know the linebackers are probably, um, you know, our, our, in, in, on our defensive side, the, the, the worst of the defense. And so oh, yeah. he, he showed it. But he, he also did like Dawson. He made up on some plays yesterday. So you got to kind of give him a C minus, uh, well, C to C minus average for his play yesterday. So I, I started the show by saying that I think we have to give a ton of credit to Coach Eric Bieniemy. all right? Not EB, Coach EB, for winning his individual coaching matchup against Bill Belichick, right? They said on the broadcast he feels good about himself if he can stay one play ahead of Bill Belichick, and I felt like he did that throughout the entire game. I agree. I, I think I think what he also had, he had a little bit of chip on his shoulder. Uh, you know and I know listening to, to the junkies uh, in the morning and, and listening to you as well in the afternoons, the whole talk last week about was Mike Florio's whole conversation and post about trading to have Bill Belichick as as possibly being traded for a head coach. So I think I think the the uh, OCEB came in and said, "I got to show them that I can coach it up a little bit." And you know, I I, I don't know what you've heard or what others have heard, but apparently he's kind of like the, the, the you know Ron's the figurehead, and he's out there really running practices uh, full speed out there at Ashburn. So I think he wanted to show that he could he could lead a team, and, and he did so yesterday. Yeah, no, I felt that way. Final thoughts, D. Final thoughts is whenever you're in Scott's edition and, and you want a tattoo, go see my guy Nick Barnett. This is not a plug. <laughs> I didn't know you got tatted up in Scott's edition. Now I feel even worse about avoiding you last week. <laughs> I know. That's the whole reason I was down there is I get tatted up on my guy Nick. But uh, I'll see you next time. All right. Sounds good. You're listening to AWOD Radio on The Fan. Don't go anywhere. Don't change that dial. I'll be right back.